you ready? Okay, I'm ready. The Jesse Blake Sports Report. Really? Oh, wait, really? The Jesse Blake Sports Report. That's it? Don't forget, it's the Jesse Blake Sports Report with Jesse Blake. <laughs> you know, that's kind of redundant. Dude, is there a problem? No, it's fine. I, I just, you know, I thought maybe you guys would come up with something, you know, good. Man, I just read it. You know what? Doesn't matter to me. I get paid by the word. <laughs> Let's do this. The Jesse Blake Sports Report with Jesse Blake. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. Welcome to another edition of the Jesse Blake Sports Report. And today is NHL Free Agency Day. Everything kicked off around, what time was it, Andrew? Noon? Noon yeah. as soon as when the, the door opened? Well, I mean, they say it's noon, and then as soon as it gets to noon, there's like five contracts on, like 12-0 like slash in one second. So. Yeah, no, 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 none of them talk. None of the agents no. talk to the GM. All these contracts are just ready to go in one minute after the door opens. In a league that still operates by fax machine, the, the, uh, somehow they get it done that fast. There should easily be like dozens of tampering penalties every season. And there like should. this this year especially, we knew all these contracts like a week ahead of time. Yep. How long have we known about Jack Campbell? To Edmonton, yeah. We knew those details and everything like a week ago. Yep. Unbelievable. Yep. Anyway, we're talking voice, about it at the draft like it was nothing. Yeah, that voice you're hearing right now, if you're watching as well, you'll see him on the screen. Uh, the lovely and- Andrew Berkshire of Game Over Montreal has uh, joined me late at night after all the signings are hopefully done for today. So we can do a full recap of uh, free agency day. But before we get into anything, Andrew, have you heard of Sports Interaction? I have. I've heard good things. Only good things, because all the action starts at Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. But before the game, live in play in one of our many prop bets, doing it right since 1997, Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. That's sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. And I have the site up right now. The Stanley Cup odds for 2023 have not been updated to reflect free agency just yet. But I want you to know that the Toronto Maple Leafs currently have the second best odds to win the Stanley Cup in 2023. That's about nine to one of your money. Andrew, would you place a bet on the Leafs to win the Stanley Cup? I would not. Uh, (laughs) I think the main reason the Leafs always have such great odds to win the Stanley Cup is because so many people do place their bets on the Maple Leafs and the market reacts to that. I think they're a top five team, honestly, going into the league, just like I did last year. But for those odds, based on what others get, they would not be my number one pick. That's for sure. The smart bet's probably still uh, Colorado, right? Based on everything we know, and them pr- trying to repeat is probably the smart bet there. Yeah, I would say so. If if Tampa Bay had gone out in like the first round this year, I feel like they would be the smart bet because having a summer of rest and getting their bodies back into shape would be, you know, resetting for another run. But the fact that they went to the final again last year, like those guys have got to be so beat up. Mm-hmm. I know they're confident in another run, but eventually you need a short summer or All a right. long summer. Sorry. Let's get into the main event here, and that is Free Agency Day and the Columbus Blue Jackets getting their man. Eric Goodbranson signs (laughs) in Columbus, 
and the city is they're overjoyed yeah it didn't seem like people were too happy about it for uh, for good reason because he more than doubled his salary this, mm-hmm. from last year and got a wh- whole lot of term i don't get it Yarmo Kekalainen was very defensive about it, as all GMs are when they sign bad defensemen to bad contracts, <laughs> talking about intangibles. But uh, Eric Goodbranson's their second highest paid defenseman, Jesse. And it seems like it happens so often where GMs are just like, hey, here's this immobile defenseman. Here's a bunch of money to him. Everybody's going to try and talk me out of this, but I don't care. I know best. I'm the GM. And to their defense... The place they struggled the most was on D and not being able to score goals. I think Columbus finished uh, 14th in the NHL in scoring. And then where they suffered was uh, their goals allowed per game where they're 28th. So they need to get bigger on defense. I just don't know if Erica Branson's the guy. No, I mean, he he had a decent year in Calgary, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Insulated by significantly better defensemen all year and not playing tough minutes. I don't know what the plan is in Columbus on defense, just because I, I look at that list of names and, you know, Zach Wierenski is great, but I think he's overpaid at almost 9.6 million a season. And, you know, other than that, how much better is Adam Boquist going to be? It could be a lot better, but mm-hmm. you really got to see a lot of those younger guys take big steps forward for them to have a decent defense group after all the losses over the last couple of seasons. And uh, a lot falls on, Merz Lickens and Corpus Allo to, to keep the puck out of the net. And a lot's going to fall on their newest acquisition. I honestly didn't think we'd start the free agency day one recap show by talking about Eric Goodbranson, but here we are. <laughs> We're doing it. Uh, let's let's talk about the actual big signing in Columbus, the biggest signing of the day. Uh, the man who shook the world at like 7 o'clock when all of the TV shows were off the air for hours and all of the insiders were heading to their get their first beer. Johnny Gaudreau decides to sign in Columbus. So he signs a seven-year deal, $68.25 million, 9.75 per year. He turned down a deal. This was reported by Mike Stevens. He turned down New Jersey, who offered $10 million for seven years. He turned down the Isles from Andy Graziano, who says the Isles offered him seven years at $9 million. And then the Calgary Flames, where he was signed, offered him $84 million by eight years. That's $10.5 million per year. And Johnny Goudreau said, no, Columbus is my team out of all of these teams even though the word is he actually wanted to go to the Flyers, who couldn't figure out their cap situation. And he settles on Columbus. Andrew, what were your thoughts? Why did this happen? I I heard it was he wanted to be closer to family, and I get that, but I feel like that's such an NHL thing. You don't really hear that in other sports. And I don't know, maybe it's just me, but when... The, like for me, the main reason to be closer to family would be like to have help with kids. But for rich people, you can just hire help, you know, for, for nine million a season. I'm pretty sure you can hire a nanny to, to help out with kids. Uh, maybe it's not the same as having your mom there, but uh, it, it's still help. But uh, I feel like most people don't want to be right next to their parents all the time. It's such an NHL thing. I, I, don't, I don't get it. But at the same time, even if he does want to be closer to his family, like Columbus is not that close to Philly. Like New Jersey is way closer. And I look at like, do you want to play with Jack Hughes or do you want to play with who's their number one center? Jake 
Jack Roslovich. Yeah. Sean Corrali, Justin Danforth. Like I Cole Stillinger's good. I think he's gonna be a really good player. But I look at this from Gaudreau's perspective and Columbus's perspective, and I don't understand it because not only does Columbus still have Patrick Line as a restricted free agent, and they have what four million dollars of cap space, three million dollars of cap space remaining. So good luck with that. But I don't see a fit with Gaudreau's playing style per se. Like I could see him and Line fitting together on a power play, but not at even strength. It's interesting as well that Yarmo Kekalainen feels like this is now the season. Uh, this is the season to go for the big fish and get Goudreau in Columbus because the lineup is apparently ready to contend. Like this is the move you make when you're you're on the cusp and then you got to bring the guy. I think of Tavares coming to Toronto, where it's like that's one of the final pieces of us creating this this lineup that's going to contend. I don't look at Columbus's lineup with everybody you name there, and I say, oh yeah, this is one Johnny Goudreau away from Stanley Cup contention. They seem like yeah. they need so much more on top of this. And maybe there are more moves to come, but the offense, I don't see it. And the defense, especially, that's a bottom, bottom of the league defensive core. Yeah. Yeah. I, I look throughout this lineup, and, you know, part of it is that Columbus doesn't get to a lot of press, we'll say. Like they're not a team that gets a lot of attention put on them, but there aren't very many names on here that I see that are like, wowing me right like you got kent johnson and cole cylinder at both 19 who are going to be good players i think oliver bjorkstrand is a good player like gustav nyquist good player but he's 32 ufa next year jake Vorchek, good player but again way past his prime 8.25 million on the cap for two more years like there's just i don't see a contender anywhere here it, it just doesn't make sense to me mm-hmm. they've got a few pieces but even the, the guys who are highly paid on that team i don't think are necessarily players you want to build around outside of Wierenski. like johnny gaudreau again i like him a lot but without two players who can insulate him defensively historically in his career has been really bad defensively <laughs> so like i don't know where the fit is yeah and Johnny Gaudreau making the decision to go to Columbus says so much about the organizations that he didn't want to go to. Like the Islanders, okay, it's less money. That's what they offered only nine million by seven. I guess like for there, you could say he he took a little bit more money to go to Columbus. But on the table from the Devils, and especially on the table from Calgary, was so many more millions over the length of this contract. Calgary will get into a little bit more after we dissect Goudreau's decision-making. But New Jersey, like, the team is there. This is the situation where I say a Goudreau puts them into real contention in the Metro Division. 100%. And he decided against the situation there to go to Columbus. So what do you think this says about the New Jersey system and the players and maybe the managers? I don't know. I would have, I, If I'm making that decision, i probably go with New Jersey over all of these teams. Yeah, I do too. I wonder if, if it's a combination of maybe New Jersey's general manager is not very convincing and maybe Johnny Gaudreau is not necessarily up on like on the up on like how good New Jersey's core is going forward. Like Jack Hughes and Nico Hishi are down the middle. Simon Nemich is going to come in soon. Dougie Hamilton is still great. Damon Severson's a great player. Like 
there's a lot to like about New Jersey. They still need goaltending, I think. Mm-hmm. But overall, this is a team that's very clearly on the rise. But I guess maybe he looked at the fact that New Jersey has four players signed past 2023. And was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the deal is there. It's well, like, just they, they, got the, they got the young, talented kids locked up. Like the yeah, people who are signed past that are huge and Heisher and like Hamilton. Yep. And like you can re-sign Damon Severson next offseason. Like he should have looked at this lineup and been like, that's a team that's a lot in a better situation than Columbus. And I guess yeah. Tom Fitzgerald just needs to be a better negotiator. And like Lindy Ruff needs to get in there as well and tell them they have great players. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I that, that has to be the answer, right? It's like you, ha- at the end of the day, it comes down to convincing someone. Mm-hmm. And clearly they weren't convincing enough. And it was pointed out that uh, Lou now on Long Island has missed out on Tavares, Gaudreau, and uh, Panarin. Yeah. In the, la- in the last, like, since he's taken over as GM. So talk about a guy who has, like, all the clout in the world who's missed, whiffed three times on major free agents to bring them to Long Island. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think it was uh, Adam Wild in, in one of our group chats uh, who, when we were talking about this deal breaking and, like, Columbus was such a, an outlier, we remember that they offered Mitch Marner, I think it was $12 million. That's to right. Him. And then they had Panarin and lost him. They'd also offered Panarin north of $11 million to get him uh, to re-sign there. So I guess this isn't too far out of the realm for Columbus for doing this big fish thing. They, yeah, they have they, a history. They do have a history, and they, they're trying to make a splash. And I, I guess we should say as much as it doesn't make sense and doesn't really seem like a fit, it's probably good for the Columbus organization to get term on a star player because it's something they've struggled to do their entire existence right like rick nash wanted out uh panarin wanted out seth jones wanted out last off season they have to get yeah. rid of seth jones yeah so getting a star player to sign with term maybe that's like a a signal of a sea change for columbus mm-hmm. and like the complete opposite is going on in Calgary right now. We'll, we'll move on to their situation because it's directly related to everything we're talking about. Johnny Gaudreau left Calgary and he left because he didn't want to be there. He didn't He <laughs> didn't leave because of the contract. Like the, the more money was all there. If you, if you say he made a money decision, that's not the case at all. Yeah. Eight years, $82 million, 10.5 per year is what the uh, 84 actually uh, totals, what the Calgary Flames and Trill Living offered Gaudreau and he flat out said no. Yeah. This team that was in round two of the playoffs, they looked okay versus Edmonton. They couldn't really get it going, but they were in the playoffs and they, they looked like a team that is going to contend for a number of years. Like, And did you see the press conference that Tr- Living had? Uh, I, did, when he was I didn't talking see about it, but I read like the transcript. The dude was so sad. Yeah. Like you could tell everybody in that Calgary front office is just dejected because this means like who knows what Kachuk is going to do. He doesn't want to sit through a rebuild and his contract is up next offseason. He's going to be in a UFA. He needs to get his RFA deal done. And I'm sure right now he's looking at a one year deal because he doesn't know what this team's going to be. Where do you think Calgary? How do you think Calgary's feeling right now? How do you think they move forward? I, I'm actually kind of shocked that they didn't make a big splash today because now they have a bunch of cap hit like or cap space to, to make a move to find another big fish. And maybe they're really active on the phones trying to figure out a trade to, to ease the pain a little bit, or maybe they just don't want to overreact. But you know, a week ago, 
every sign was that Gaudreau was going to definitely stay in Calgary. It seems like all all the talk was super positive that he wanted to stay, that the Flames wanted him, that contract negotiations were going well, and then something happened, and maybe we'll never know what happened, and he decided he needed to be closer to home. I mean, still an eight-hour drive away, and these guys are flying anyway. But uh, it's it's a weird one. It, it's a really weird one. I feel like the Flames right now as an organization are in shock, and maybe they won't be able to address it until that shock wears off. I know that they're a dark horse for Nazem Kadri, so maybe that's the answer, right? Is uh, Elias Lindholm goes back to the wing and yeah. uh, Nazem Kadri comes in as their number one center. Or like your second line center is Lindholm, you know? But like yeah. that, if I'm for living, that's what I'm going hard at. That 10.5 is still there. It's not like it went somewhere else. Now you have that cap space to spend on someone else. And if there's one way to rejuvenate the fan base is getting a guy like Nas, who's a huge personality, and bringing him into the organization and saying, hey, we lost Goudreau, but now we got a center who's a number one center, and we're going to make him a star. And a guy that said no to Calgary a couple of years ago. Yeah, with, right? the trade, Toronto, uh, with the Brody trade. That's right. Yeah, when uh, when Toronto was trying to ship uh, Nas out of town, he declined a trade to Calgary, if people don't remember that one. And then Toronto ended up still trading him, and instead they went to the Avalanche in a deal that uh, I don't think has worked out too well for the Leafs. No, no. And, you know, Calgary, as you mentioned, they've got some big decisions to make. Manjapani and Kachuk are both RFAs this year, so they're going to both get huge raises. Uh, Milan Lucic, that doesn't really matter. He's a UFA next year. But that's, you know, cap money coming back to them. $5.25 million they're spending on a fourth-line player. But Michael Backlund's only signed for another two years. Elias Lindholm, another two years. Tyler Toffoli, two years. So that team could look completely different in two years' time. Like, they might just say, hey, we're going in rebuild mode if we lose Kachuk and Goudreau, which for Calgary Flames fans, like, for the season you had this year where it looked like in January this is the front runner for the Stanley Cup, and then all of a sudden we get to the offseason and you lose your star player and the next guy might be out the door next offseason and you might be in rebuild mode. Like, uh, I'm feeling for Calgary Flames fans today. It, it's a t- it's got to be a tough pill to swallow, and I feel like having that promising season ended by the Oilers also is just. <laughs> I, I've seen some Oilers fans doing tap dances around like it was their Stanley Cup this this afternoon. It was oh, uh, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. I, you gotta love when that rivalry gets uh, real fiery, but uh, that's a, that's a rough one for Calgary. Yeah, and Oilers uh, Oilers fans are like, we got all the guys we wanted. Like they got Campbell yep. and Kane. That was the two guys on their list, and they got them. Yep. Oh, oh gosh! All right, I th- I want to talk about the team that I think won free agency so far. I think they've won the draft and they've won free agency, and that's the Ottawa Senators. Uh, Sean Simpson of TSN tweeted out the top six that could be opening day for the Senators: DeBrinket, Stutzla, Giroux, Kachuk, Norris, Batherson. That's a really good top six, and all of a sudden. The Ottawa Senators are, I don't know, one of the top four best teams in the Atlantic Division. What do you think of their signings? They they get the Giroux signing three years, 6.5 per, per year. That's 19.5 total. Uh, they did the Cam Talbot for Philip Gustafson deal with the Minnesota Wild. They get a, another goalie in there in Talbot. They did Debrinkit uh, from Chicago earlier. They did Murray to Toronto. 
They did Connor Brown for a second round pick. They moved him out so they can bring in another defenseman, hopefully with the extra cap space. Andrew, what do you think of the Sens? I'm floored by Pierre Dorian coming out of nowhere and being a good GM all of a sudden. <laughs> like he's he's done some good building, but it's all like I, I mentioned last year that I felt like they didn't really have any star players. They had like some good players, but the rebuild hasn't been as successful as they think because it's been you know, like you've built the depth, but you don't have the star players to carry the ship, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and now, well, Alex Dabrinkit is a star player. Uh, Claude Giroux is not a star player anymore in, in terms of offense, but he still brings two-way play that makes him essentially a star player and is now playing like underpaid. Like $6.5 million is not enough for Claude Giroux. And he took a hometown discount to go back to Ottawa. That's fantastic, you know? And mm-hmm. You see guys like Stutzla and, and Kachuk and Batherson and Norris all taking steps forward. They've got other young players coming up. That's a good team if they can get more than one good defenseman. I guess Artem Zub's not, not bad either. So they've got two good defensemen, but uh, Zaitsev and Hamannik are going to hold them back a little bit. And I don't think it's fair to expect uh, Jake Sanderson to hold down the entire second pair. And like, yeah, like you said, it's really Shabbat and then five guys mm-hmm. is what they have right now. And Dorian needs to make a move with that Connor Brown money to bring in a defenseman to really make the team a contender. Um, it's it's probably going to take more than one. Like I know, I know it's it's probably going to be one just based on the salary cap and how it's going to work. But they they might need a little bit more help than that. And to your Giroux point in the hometown discount during his press conference, I don't know who the reporter was, but one of the reporters was like, "It's going to be nice that you can walk to the arena again." And I was I was like, "It's so true." The dude grew up right there. Yeah, I mean, I guess when the new arena's in. Is that what they're saying? Yeah, yeah. They're going okay. to be able to walk. He's, not, be able to he's walk not walking over. to Canada. No, no one can walk to Canada. <laughs> Canada's on an island. <laughs> you can barely drive to Canada. It's ridiculous. But you know what's amazing about the Senators is they still have like $20 million in cap space. I know they're not going to spend to the cap, but mm-hmm. what the hell? Like This is a, this is a decent team here. Uh, it's kind of annoying because I expect them to be bad for a longer amount of time. But I feel like they're maneuvering in goal. And uh, at forward in the last little while and at the draft, it's just been incredible. Like they took advantage of the assets assets that they have to add at the right spots. Uh, I'm really excited to watch them. Honestly, I think they're going to be really exciting to watch. Yeah, And like everything Dorian's done is kind of what we want out of GMs. It's, he's been playing NHL 22 over here with the moves <laughs> where it's just you're mixing and shaking and you're moving guys out and you're getting creative with the situations. And even with how much did you say they have in cap space? $19 million? Yeah, $19.5 million. And that includes uh, like uh, the Matt Murray cap. They have yep. Bobby Ryan cap hit. They're still paying Dion Phaneuf, I'm pretty sure. And uh, Colin Col- White. Colin White till forever. And, and Michael still, Del Zotto. And they still have $19 million. <laughs> yeah. Of of their $62 million cap hit, 3.56 is buyout. And then they have another 1.56 from Matt Murray. So it's essentially oh, just over $5 million of that is players to not play for them. Wow. Like, how? And it can only get better, you know, because like those are going to come off the books and then you're going to add pieces. 
And uh, they've already got the Brady Kachuk deal done that they did last offseason, the 8.25 for eight years. So he's locked up. And they won't have any of the big contracts, maybe the RFA of the Stutzla deal, but Shabbat's also locked up. And then she's yeah. adding pieces. They've still got to figure out Josh Norris this year. He's an RFA. Right. So that's going to cost them, I would say, at least $5 million just because he scored 30 goals last year. That's a very good point. I guess if they go long-term, it'll be a bit higher. And then next year is where they've got Debrinket and Tim Stutzla to to talk about. So maybe RFA it's, it's deals though. Yeah, RFA. RFA deals. But I mean, if Stutzla is playing all year with uh, Alex Debrinket, where he can set him up, or Claude Giroux, where he's getting a setup, that's going to be a, a pretty expensive deal, I think. Mm-hmm. But like maybe you oh, say you hold back some of this money. Some of that goes to uh, Norris this offseason. So let's say you have fifteen million left. Then you got like Hamonet coming off the book. That'll free you up. Maybe go back to like 13. Mm-hmm. And then when you split that 13 between Debrinkit and uh, Timmy Stutes, then you're good. You're laughing if you're Dorian. You're in a perfect cap situation with a very talented young team. Yeah, it's, it's a great situation to be in. If they actually have, you know, the go ahead to spend to the cap going forward, they have some real room to make this a very good team. Mm-hmm. But I guess it also depends on, you know, like, does Debrinkat want to stay there after one year? Yeah. I'm waiting for Ian Mendez or someone out there to write the article about how things have changed since the passing of Eugene Melnick. And if who whoever's running it now, I, I believe it's his daughters, have just given the thumbs up for them to go spend. And if they will become a cap team because they want to put this into uh, this fun team into Ottawa and the new arena and all that. Yeah, I mean, I the most obvious change I thought was uh, as soon as that happened, uh, Pierre Maguire got sent running for the hills. <laughs> there was only one Pierre allowed. And it wasn't going to be Maguire. I think he saw that as uh, challenging his authority. And there, like I heard that. Dorian was overruled on a few things by Pierre Maguire over the last year, and they weren't uh, the correct decisions, like uh, drafting Tyler Boucher. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, because it was it was very clear when uh, Eugene passed, and then that's the kind of the second move that the organization makes is to yeah. fire one single individual. It was very clear that he did not uh, mesh well with management. Yeah, a guy who was hired by Melnick, not Dorian. Yeah. Right? So it was very clearly like, this is a guy who is not necessarily under Pierre Dorian's thumb. And then all of a sudden, Dorian goes out and makes like great move after great move. I mean, I think he's done more for his like legacy as a GM in the last year than he has in the last few. Yeah, I've I've absolutely loved what the Sens have done. Like, A plus on the uh, free agency grade, the offseason grade for for them for sure. And I don't know what what would you give the Toronto Maple Leafs on the offseason grade? A lot of people are down on the Leafs for the goaltending situation, but Mm -hmm. I am kind of giving them credit. I don't want to say that they did great because there's still a lot of question marks. But I think people forget that because Jack Campbell had a decent, you know, pandemic shortened season that uh, Jack Jack Campbell was not a sure thing at any point when the Leafs traded for him over the last previous three years, he had the worst high danger save percentage in the entire NHL. I thought it was a really risky move that they were going to go with him over Anderson and he played great for a while. And then he started last season. Great. And then from December to the end of the season, he was like the the worst starting goaltender in the NHL by far. Mm -hmm. 
He had like an 86% save percentage. He was brutal. And the Leafs just kept winning. They just kept going on. And then Mrazek was also terrible and paid too much. And the Leafs, yeah, they moved down a couple spots in the draft, like 10 or 11 spots, but they moved Mrazek's cap hit. They added Matt Murray, who, yes, has a checkered injury history and has been rough the last few years as well, similar to Campbell, but for less money, less term. And then they add Ilya Samsonov, who, yes, has been up and down the last couple of years, but is younger, promising, low cap hit, low term. I see the Leafs as a team that lowered the amount of money that they're paying for their goaltenders, didn't drop the talent level very far, added a two-time Stanley Cup champion who they could get somewhere close to that level again, playing behind a much better defensive system than it gets credit for under Sheldon Keefe. And, you know, I don't think they added that much more risk. And they added, they cut down the term as well. So now they've got, if these two don't work out, they can be out of there within basically a year. Like they could buy Matt Murray out or trade him somewhere else at the end of the year or at the deadline. It is easy to move one year. I'm really impressed, honestly, by the maneuvering that Kyle Dubas was able to do in goal. And I like the Obey Cobell signing as well. Mm-hmm. Just a rundown uh, for anybody who missed those signings that the Leafs made. Uh, as Andrew mentioned, Simsonov, $1.8 million for one year. Obey Kubel, $1 million for one year. Adam Gaudet, seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, seven seven fifty grand, like that's it for one year, uh, and then yeah, they they made the Matt Murray move last week. It's it, the way you break it down is it's very reasonable. Like <laughs> the least moves here. If you're a fan of podcasts on these network, they'll be breaking down to death tomorrow on the Steve Dangle podcast, all four of these uh, moves. But the way you the way you lay it out there, it's very reasonable. And a Matt Murray Samsonov tandem isn't that much worse than an unknown Campbell and Morazic, who's always injured. Right. And the fact is, it could be better. Mm-hmm. Like Samsonov could be the starter by the end of the year if he recovers like his rookie form that he had in Washington. And, you know, Matt Murray might be able to have his confidence come back in a tighter defensive system like Toronto runs. Like, I, I feel like people don't give credit to the, the Leafs defense because Campbell last year and Mrazek just got terrible number. Like they were just terrible. They were terrible for that. Like three or four months. It was unbelievable. Like I remember talking with Steve about how uh, Austin Matthews had an on ice save percentage of something like 82%, but he was still controlling like 65% of the goals over the, like the middle of the season. It shouldn't be possible. <laughs> And the only way that's possible is that you're not giving up very many shots. And I I think in a system like that, Matt Murray has a higher potential to rebound than Campbell did when the Leafs acquired Campbell in the first place. So, yeah, these are two reclamation projects, but they're decent bets, I think. Yeah, it's it's a team that had one of the worst save percentages in the league. I think it was bottom 10 and won despite it. Like they finished, yeah. they were a top ten team in the league. They they were in the playoffs with a home ice advantage over the Tampa Bay Lightning. Finished second in the Atlantic, and like you said, the defense deserves a little bit more credit than that uh, than they've been getting. And maybe maybe not even the defense. Maybe it's just the system that Sheldon Keith played. Because despite all of this shaky goaltending, they won and they won and they won and they won. So 
even if they don't receive otherworldly two-time Stanley Cup champion goaltending from Matt Murray, they can still win because they proved it last year. And the entire core outside of Mikheyev and, and Kasha, who we'll get to a little later when we bring up the uh, Hurricanes, everyone's pretty much back. And you're adding Godet and Kubel, and you're going to throw in um, anybody who steps up there from the Marlies. If Matt Nyes wants to play for the Leafs next season, who knows? Um it's I I think I have a sunnier outlook on the Leafs coming up this season as 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 I think you do as well. Yeah, I I think they're in pretty much the same position as the year before. Uh, it makes sense to run it back. I saw some pretty like uh, I don't know if you remember Hockey Insider, but apparently he's still a thing. I thought that he was gone off Twitter. Okay, but he was he was talking about how the Leafs were talking about maybe trading Marner because you know fake rumor account, and I was like, how can you? ruin any credibility if you have any right now and it's the idea that the Leafs would be shopping Marner after he finally breaks through in the playoffs <laughs> like right, no. it's the one thing they wanted him to do and he finally does it oh yeah they're shopping him no the Leafs no. are going to run it back they're going to be good will they lose in the first round again maybe only if they face the Ottawa Senators <laughs> Yeah, the Battle of Ontario returned this week. Like, it's fun. Ottawa and Toronto are going to be two teams that think they're contenders, and we might get that Battle of Ontario. I love it. I want it. It's going right. to be great. The early 2000s are back. <laughs> so I want let's, let's move on to the uh, Philadelphia Flyers here, because Chuck Fletcher, uh, he continues to be a little bit unhinged at all times. Oh, my God. So bad. Trades... To Carolina, a 2022 fourth round pick, a 2023 third round pick, a 2024 second round pick for Tony D'Angelo and a seventh. Then proceeds to sign Tony D'Angelo for two years, $5 million per year, and then goes to the media and says, we're out on Johnny Goudreau because we don't have the cap space. Sir... You are in charge of the cap space. How do you not have enough money to offer Johnny Goudreau when you know this is where he wants to be? There was like three teams he wanted to sign with, and you were one of them. And I think the Philly was number one on the list. And yep. Chuck Fletcher is like, we don't have the money. We can't make the move because we don't want to just throw away JVR for nothing. Like, And we want to give Tony D'Angelo this money. Um, they also signed uh, Nick Delorier. It was 1.75 for four years, and Justin Braun for 1.75 for one year, 35 plus deal. Um, what the hell's going on here with the Flyers, and why is Chuck Fletcher so unhinged, Andrew? I mean, you forget they also extended Rasmus Ristolainen for uh, five years last year. So, like, they could just not have Ristolainen and D'Angelo, and they would have Johnny Gaudreau right now. Like, Honestly, that's a choice that they made. Right. And let's not forget, I don't know if it was Chuck Fletcher or not, but like the Kevin Hayes deal remains insane. Like yeah. I, I like Kevin Hayes as a player, but seven point one million dollars for Kevin Hayes is like third line center. OK, that I guess was he's, signed by Fletcher, by the way. It was OK. So I think he's nah, he's probably the first line center now with the I mean, I guess. Uh, no. Couturier has got to be back, right? He's still on the injured reserve. That's why I'm not seeing him on cap friendly. So he's second line center now. But still, 7.1, your second line center better be a lot better than Kevin Hayes for that kind of money. I It seems to me between hiring Tortorella and these moves that the Flyers are not only determined to be bad, but also unlikable. <laughs> and I have to say, it's on brand for the Broad Street bullies a little bit. So good on them for that. But 
you're supposed to be good and unlikable and that's what makes you like fun but i think they're just gonna get rocked all year long and i feel bad for guys like carter hart who is gonna have to be behind that defense that outside of travis sanheim is uh not very good and i've heard that they're shopping ivan provorov now yeah and i does chuck fletcher not know what good defense is like <laughs> It sure seems like he doesn't. Well, he gave Ryan Ellis, who can't stay healthy, a whole bunch of money. So he the probably ghost doesn't. of Ryan Ellis. And like you mentioned, Carter Hart, like that's a guy who needs a bounce back season, like really bad. He he hasn't really had a good season in two years. Like pre pandemic was probably the last time. Uh, well, the bubble, the bubble playoffs, I should say, is the last time really we saw the best of Carter Hart, and that's someone who who really needs to do something this year. Um, the contract not expiring after this year, but like that 3.9 is going to come up eventually. And he's 23. It's time to it's time to show something here, Carter Hart. You can't just always be relying on on what happened two to three years ago. Yeah, and I'm just I just question their moves because it seems just all over the place. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be a, a plan, right? Like there's there's guys in the Flyers that it's kind of the same thing as Columbus, right? But more messy. Like Columbus, at least they're like developing young guys and you can kind of see like a path forward eventually. It just seems like there's money in the wrong spots. But the Flyers are just like, uh, this guy's free agency. We traded for this guy and we're just going to plock this guy in because who knows? Like like Cam Atkinson, is he great? He's all right, but he's 33. So does that fit? James Van Riemsdyk, also 33. Why do you sign him as a UFA? Just like nostalgia for when he started out? Like... Mm -hmm. I like Joel Farabee a lot. I like Travis Connect Connect a lot. I like Morgan Frost, but I don't see any star players currently on the Philadelphia Flyers. Carter yeah. Hart can be, but I like I don't see I don't see a single star player. Couturier is probably the closest, but even he's taken like a, a hit because of the health issues. Yeah, and a lot of those names you mentioned, I mentioned JVR before, like if you knew the Goudreau negotiations were coming up, you know what day it's July 13th. You know what day free agency is move out some of the money so you can offer this star some money. Like, I guess th there's still they they could have also gone after Kadri. I was going to say maybe they could go after Kadri now, but they're not making any moves that so they can't go after Kadri. They could have made that those moves ahead of time at the draft. And then you can go after Goudreau and Kadri, and then maybe you land on one of them. But they chose not to do either of those things. And oh, yeah, and we, we talked about like great team building from Ottawa, who are 19 million below the cap. Mm -hmm. uh, the Flyers are over the cap. <laughs> <laughs> like Part of that's because LTIR doesn't count, and Couturier and Ellis are currently on there. But like mm -hmm. they're <sighs> buying out Oscar Lindblom, who's like the best story the Flyers have had in the last several years, and then signing Tony D'Angelo. <laughs> who's <laughs> like universally hated like this team they just can't help but they're like uh, that sideshow bob episode in the simpsons where he keeps stepping on the rakes yeah yeah it's like that and how do you have a roster this mediocre and be over the cap and i say that as somebody who covers the montreal canadians and they're in a similar situation it's it, it reeks of no plan like yeah. no definitive direction for roster building and i question what the hell is going on with that front office and like another organization where i'm like eek i don't really know what's going on there is the vegas golden knights because yes. today they had to dump max pacioretty for absolutely nothing 
just because they've screwed up the cap so much. So there's this there's thing the quote that was going around from uh, Sean Shapiro, who spoke to unnamed NHL sources a couple, I believe it was at the beginning of the season, and uh, they told him this about Vegas. Vegas treats you great until they don't. They've gone from the team of opportunity, the golden misfits, to the evil empire. As an agent, you have to warn your guy that he's expendable as soon as his salary doesn't fit with the plan. Look at what happened with Marc-Andre Fleury. I think as long as they win, they'll avoid problems. But if they have a losing season, watch out. And that's essentially what they had this year, uh, a losing season where they missed the playoffs and they traded for Jack Eichel. And that trade, this is from Jesse Granger, has directly or indirectly cost them Pacioretty now, Tuck, Peyton Krebs, uh, Dylan Coughlin, and the 16th overall pick in 2022. I don't know what's happening in Vegas, Andrew. Yeah, it's one of those situations where they're going for it and they want to add every big name player that becomes available. And they're like, ah, future me, we'll figure that out. And future me came around and they didn't have an answer for that at all. Uh, Good for Carolina for poaching Max Pacioretty for nothing. I I love that no NHL team was willing to let them out of this Mm -hmm. because we've seen teams get into this kind of bind before, like the Chicago Blackhawks have and teams will do them favors and nobody wanted to do the Vegas Golden Knights a favor. I think everybody remembers how much they pulled off larceny after larceny as they entered the league. And I, I would guess everybody kind of hates them, but like I broke it down for the Pacioretty trade tree to shout out to Steve Dangle. <sighs> it started out with them giving up a first, a second and a third for Thomas Tatar okay. who Gerard Gallant then didn't play. He healthy scratched him in the playoffs for no reason for, for Ryan Reeves. And then they gave up Tatara as a throw in with Nick Suzuki in the pick that became Matthias Norlander, who is a young uh, defensive prospect for the Canadians for Pacioretty to the, to the Canadians, Nick Suzuki, already a first line center, uh, probably going to be the next captain of the Canadians. Now they lost Pacioretty for nothing. Like, that's great asset management. It's, that's <laughs> a pretty quick uh, trade tree. Usually Steve's trade trees go on for like 60 minutes, but here it's Vegas, so just ends. Yep, just ends. It's over. <laughs> I mean, future considerations. Maybe it'll be something in the future, but uh, I, I highly doubt it. That's oh, just God. code for cap dump, right? And a, a guy as good as Patchetti, second season in a row that the Vegas Golden Knights have just like tossed aside an Alan Walsh client. How <laughs> dare they? Second season in a row, they toss away their leading goal scorer. Oh my God! That's that's and and uh, Vesna Trophy winners. Like, Jeez. that is something that uh, Kelly McCrimmon is just doing now because they don't understand that every year you can't go buy players. The cap yep. exists and you're, you be, you've gotten into this situation by your own doing, by just pretending that, oh, we'll pay for it later. As you just said, like, the future self thing now it's the future and you're paying for it. And all those assets you just listed are gone and you get nothing in return uh, because you thought that you could buy without having to plan for the future. Yeah. And like, I have a modicum of insider information about like Pacioretty. We were talking about like how vicious Vegas is and like, they love you until they don't like you talk about a guy who sacrificed for his team. Pacioretty had back surgery 
last year during the playoffs and came back early to play at like great risk to his health and was quite good Mm -hmm. in that series against the Canadians in in the conference final last year. This year, he was told basically his, his season was done. And then the Vegas Golden Knights had all those guys on LTIR, right? Trying to like fudge their way into the playoffs to, to come back. They were like, your season's done until the playoffs. And then he came off when they were going to miss the playoffs and played the last three weeks or so of April and played pretty well. I think he had like uh, three goals and eight points or so during the last seven or eight games of the season. Like he tried his best to get them into the playoffs, playing like 15 to 19 minutes a night. And then you just kind of toss them aside for nothing. I, f- I feel like as a player, being traded as a cap dump is probably worse than being bought out, right? Just like yeah. feeling that way. And I know Pacioretty is a guy who has a lot of pride in his play and has continued to be a very great player into his, I guess, now mid-30s. Man, if I'm Carolina, I love this especially because he's going to have a fire under the bonnet to start the season. Mm-hmm. And before we get to Carolina... It's just, yeah, to reiterate that point, like if I'm an NHLer, for the amount of effort it takes to be a top tier NHL player, to play for an organization that's just going to toss you aside and not care about the sacrifices you make for your body. Like if I'm an NHLer, I don't want to play in Vegas. Like yeah. point blank. Like that, that team would be on one of my no trade lists because I know I'm just going to be treated like shit when I get there and once they're done with me and they find themselves in problems that they created they're gonna ship me out without caring yep and how quickly things turn hey because a few years ago even two years ago everybody wanted to play for Vegas yes right it's crazy but uh, you know you miss the playoffs once and everything blows up in your face I still think the biggest mistake they made was not the Eichel trade I think it was the Petrangelo signing Hmm. I think that kind of money in term for a guy his age and how bad he was last year, that was the big thing. Because even when they made that signing, everybody that I knew was like, where, where, where's the money going to come from? Right. Like, it, just, it doesn't make any sense. And then you add Eichel on top of it and you're just, I don't know. They just don't have, everything is, I, I love the idea that you absolutely redline it to make it. <laughs> To, to try to win a Stanley Cup right away as soon as you exist as a franchise and try to get everything possible out of it. But at a certain point, you have to have some level of caution and plan. <laughs> Vegas has clearly not got that. Between this and then the Dadanov trade last year that they didn't even read his that no mess. trade clause. Yeah. Oh, that's, my God. That's such a good way to put it. Like They, they hit the gas pedal. And then haven't let up at all. They're yep. trying to win the Stanley Cup and try and try and try. And, but eventually, you just need to slow down. Yeah, like you, got, you got somebody going, it's time to pit, pit, pit. Right? And you're like, no. <laughs> like, pit, your tire, box, your box, tires box. are gone. Yeah, yeah. Box. There's yelling box in their ear and they're not pitting and their tires are nothing. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Caroline, there's, there's your F1 talk, everybody. Uh, Carolina Hurricanes, the final team we're going to hit. Um, they they acquired patches for for literally nothing. 
uh, Dylan Coughlin as well, who is a terrific young defenseman. I was watching some of his uh, play on YouTube, and he's like a puck-moving, offensively-minded defenseman. And like Vegas was really happy about like the size he put on uh, this season. So there's another young, good player that Carolina's just getting. Uh, so they did that. They also acquired, in the biggest trade of the day, it felt like a trade frenzy today, uh, Brent Burns That's from right. the San Jose Sharks and Lane Peterson. And the Sharks retained 34% of Brent Burns' contract. So the Hurricanes are only paying Burns $5.28 million. Uh, they sent back the other way a couple different prospects, a uh, 2023 third round pick, and there's conditions on that as well. It's going to be either Carolina's or Philly's third round pick. But they acquired Brent Burns for very little and Lane Peterson, who's not a bad player. Um, what do you think of the Hurricanes day? And... I'm forgetting the biggest move of all, Andre Kasha, who decided to take the deal from the Hurricanes, even though he was offered the exact same deal from the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, ouch. Yeah, that was a report by Chris Johnston. The Leafs offered him uh, the exact same details, which are, I don't have them in front of me. Uh, One year, 1.5. There you go. Leafs also offered that, and Kasha said, no, I want Carolina. I think Carolina, for me, has the uh, second best day after Ottawa today on free agent frenzy yeah i feel like ottawa had like the biggest improvement overall this summer but with how good carolina already was last year and you know losing tony d'angelo as much as he's uh, a bad person Mm -hmm. and bad defensively you know it does hurt offensively so the question was like who's going to replace that offense brett burns is as good or better defense or offensively as tony d'angelo and a little bit better defensively, I would say, and he adds a physicality that uh, D'Angelo doesn't. He's still got some some warts on the defensive side, and yeah, he's 37, but seems to be still holding up pretty well. And for a really like reasonable cap hit, honestly. Yeah. And then you got Max Pacioretty; he's going to score you 30 goals. And Andre Kasha adds offensive depth. He's a good two way player as well. There, the only thing that is questionable for them is will Nakash and Kotkaniemi take a step forward to make up for losing Vincent Trocek. Hmm. And it is a big question mark, right? Kotkaniemi signed that big deal, but he wasn't that great last year. Like his underlying numbers again, were solid, but playing fourth line minutes for most of the year, his uh, offensive numbers still not great, but he's also what? 20, 22. Mm-hmm. So Martin Nikash, 23. He's an RFA. They've got a little bit of money left over for him. I think they're in a good spot, but still, like the, the center line is a bit of a question mark. But yeah. Sebastian Ajo needed some scoring depth to get the checking off him. I think we saw that in last year's playoffs where, like, he just could not get free. Pacioretty is going to supply that. And then you've got, like, Pacioretty scoring from the left on one line, Sveshnikov on the other. That's two tough guys to deal with. Yeah, I think I think you like nailed it. It's a, it's a good team that it's a great team that got even like slightly better, you know. Yep. And like uh, to correct you on one thing, it's uh, Martin Nietzsche's. Nietzsche, sorry. Nietzsche, there you go. And like that signing is going to be a little tough with the only four million dollars left, but maybe that's you could always trade move his rights if you wanted to. That's a very talented young player who's going to mature into like uh, a top six forward for sure for for 
decades in the NHL, you know, like he's a bona fide um, playmaker at the NHL level. Yeah, I guess they also have Jake Gardner on injured reserve counting uh, long term injured reserve counting on that cap. Right. OK, so that's an extra four million dollars they could spend. So they should be all right for Nietzsche's. <laughs> yes, Martin Nietzsche's. Yeah, Nietzsche's. so it's more like eight million dollars in space as opposed to that four. Yeah, so they're in a good spot. I think they have a really good team. It, it's going to be funny to see or interesting to see how hard they go in on this year because, mm-hmm. you know, Patrick is a UFA at the end of the year. Jordan Stahl's UFA. Uh, I mean, just for fast doesn't matter that much, but they've got more players to sign. Both their goalies are unrestricted free agents. So this is a win it or big changes year for Carolina. Yeah, it really is like a go for it. And I think that's why you make the Brent Burns move and you make the Pacioretty deal. Yeah, and really for for nothing off their lineup is what they they sent That's out right. for those for adding those two players. Like they took away nothing out of that playoff core, which is just unbelievable work. Uh, it is Carolina. great. Yeah. It is uh, great. I was I was given I was given it to uh, Eric Tolsky, not changing any like not exchanging any actual information or anything with them, but uh, just DMing him saying uh, how the hell did you pull that off? And he was like cap space. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. It's what every team wants and needs. You know, yeah. it's the reason Vegas did what they did. It's the reason Carolina can just take a free Max Pacioretty. It's uh, it really is the biggest weapon you can utilize as a GM in. The National Hockey League. It's cap space. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So that's that's it for day one. I've kept you so much longer than I, I said I would, but I really appreciate uh, you sticking around uh, late night for doing this day one free agency recap show, Andrew. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure, Jesse. Anytime. And uh, we have a couple big fish still out there, Nazem Kadri being the biggest, and then uh, John Klinberg on defense. Uh, being the second biggest. Where do you think uh, Kadri in particular lands? I think just based on the loss that they just had, it makes sense to go to Calgary. But you're forgetting the biggest fish of all. Will Toronto sign P.K. Subban? Oh, <laughs> oh no. Oh, gosh. Uh, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see that. I thought I was looking at some numbers today, and I thought that he was worse than he actually was over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. It's just that New Jersey is that bad. So if, if you look relative to team, he's actually not been that bad. If he can rebound a little bit from the knee injury, yeah. he could be a solid third pair defenseman. He, that's the thing, though. That's oh, uh, I, I think he, he knows he's not making nine million. anymore. Nobody also needs to know he has to play on the third line. Yeah, that's true. He has to play a sheltered defensive role, like just play defense on the third pair and then yes i want pk i think like a month ago i was on the leaf should get pk for for nothing train and i kind of talked myself out of it at this point and then now i'm like okay i don't want it to happen but like if he's gonna go be a third pairing anywhere it might as well be toronto and we have some fun all right i'm gonna keep <laughs> give you one more i know we've okay. gone too long okay phil oh mr castle he's a free agent where do you think he signs i'm asking do you want him in toronto Oh no, 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 no. Don't don't bring that back. He loves Toronto. The media here can't handle it. But it's you know not even Phil. The media can't do that. But I gotta tell you, Phil in the playoffs, he's money. <laughs> he's money in the playoffs. How many days are there in the NHL? See, it's like 181 days, right? Or two something like that. Something. There's gonna be two hundred stories 
written about <laughs> Phil Kessel if he resigns in Toronto. Every single day, that's all the Toronto media will write about is Phil Kessel. And what does this mean about Austin Matthews? Just Phil's here. Like, I don't want this. I don't want this at all. No. Oh, man. Don't I want it. it just for the chaos. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Andrew Berkshire, for joining the Jesse Blake Sports Report. That is it for me tonight. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you chose to be listening to this or watching this on YouTube, and I appreciate it. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow on the Steve Dangle Podcast. We'll, we will continue to recap free agency and all the signings that happen on day number two. I will catch you on this podcast feed next Tuesday where we're going to be talking about the Toronto Blue Jays with Cam Lewis and why they just fired their manager and why this franchise is currently uh, in a tailspin. Uh, A brief tailspin, but they're falling fast. All right, so we'll talk about that next week. Thank you for being here. Good night. And that is how it's done. The Jesse Blake Sports Report with Jesse Blake. Powered by Sports Interaction. Canada's Sportsbook. Jesse Blake, the guy that likes to hear his name twice in one sentence. Sure, I know him. No, he doesn't have an ego at all.